0: Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com.
1: I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. As listeners of the show may know, I moved here from New Mexico almost a year ago. Now, It gets hot out there, very hot, but it's a different type of heat in the high desert. It's dry and arid. Here in Nashville, well, that's another story. The humidity can make it feel 10 to 15 degrees hotter. and It's not even summer yet, but temperatures are already hitting the upper 90s. Yes, we have ourselves a good old fashioned heat wave. This kind of heat poses a threat to the power grid But it's also a real danger to our unhoused community and those of us who have to work outside for a living. What are people doing to cope? What is the city doing to help those who are the most vulnerable? We'll get to that later in the hour. But first, it's music festival season and one of the country's biggest is right here in our backyard. Multi-day events like Bonnaroo have increasingly had to prepare for drug overdoses. And that concern has only gone up as we've seen more of these party drugs being laced with powerful synthetic opioids like fentanyl. WPLN's Blake Farmer has been reporting on what's known as harm reduction at Bonnaroo, which started yesterday. Blake. Thanks for being here.
0: Glad to be here. Although, you
1: know, maybe it'd be better to be out at Bonnaroo. I don't know. That would be a lot of fun. Maybe we'll go after <laughs> okay. the show. So Bonnaroo is already bumping along out in the farm in Coffee County. I think Los Guriros has taken the stage. How has the festival prepared for this time that we're seeing so many drugs being laced with fentanyl?
0: You know, uh, the, the the promoters of the show say they're they're in uh, communication with experts in harm reduction, but you know, uh, and they certainly have a medical team that that has for years you know uh, been armed with the overdose reversal drug naloxone. But um, this year they've also allowed in a nonprofit. It's this Ohio-based group um, that's distributing naloxone, so not just like responding when there's a potential overdose. That, and in fact, they're not doing that at all. They're distributing this overdose reversal drug to folks who who might be able to, to use it uh, on, you know, let's say, a friend. They're hoping to distribute as many as 2,000 doses and, and prevent deaths uh, like one that happened in 2019 at Bonnaroo when a 26-year-old from Brentwood uh, died from an overdose. And um, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, that toxicology report found um, that this young man had X Ecstasy and fentanyl in his system. Mm. It's okay, so they're letting this nonprofit in to provide naloxone.
1: That seems like a fairly serious step. Can you help our listeners understand why this is such a problem?
0: Well, so, you know, uh, the issue is when you have these party drugs that are, are just all over the place at, at music festivals like this, and, and increasingly they are laced with fentanyl. So, you know, um, uh, to back up here, you, you've got some drug users who, who are addicted to uh, opioids, um, and they certainly are at risk of overdosing. I mean, that's what we've talked about for years and years, especially if they um, you know, are using opioids with this powerful synthetic opioid in it called fentanyl. But increasingly, the concern is about drugs like ecstasy or cocaine or even um, sedatives like Xanax as a brand name. Um, so these are not opioids, but they could still contain fentanyl these days. Fentanyl is, is really cheap and plentiful. So let's say with Xanax, it, it might be easier uh, for someone to make Pills with fentanyl that look like a Xanax mm. uh, rather than to, you know, find brand name Xanax on, uh, to sell on the street. Problem is, if you're not a regular opioid user, fentanyl is even more dangerous than normal because you have not developed any kind of, of tolerance. And this is why public health agencies, I- I- including ours here in Nashville, have been encouraging more people to carry naloxone, you know, uh, but, but most people don't. So this Ohio-based nonprofit working at Bonnaroo was was founded by Ingla Travers-Hayward and her husband. Um, They've already done two other festivals this summer. Uh, We've got a little bit of audio from her.
2: What we're learning is that all these
0: people know what naloxone is. They've even known people who have come back to life because of naloxone, but we're able to be the people who give them their actual first kick. Ingla actually reached out to me a a few weeks ago uh, after running across a story I I wrote for us about the confusion around how to get naloxone, and she wanted to let me know that that her group was passing out this nasal spray uh, left and right at festivals this summer. So naloxone isn't... Usually
1: isn't that accessible?
0: Yeah, not really. I actually bought some the other day just to test it out, uh, and it was with our health insurance here at WPLN. It cost me ten bucks, um, though. Uh, I was also told I can only get one one kit a month. Mm. Um, but there is a state program that distributes doses, but they mostly go to first responders like police and firefighters, as well as folks who are who are going to be around drug use pretty consistently. Maybe folks who who uh, live in a homeless encampment, but the state State really doesn't want to give away doses to people like me who who are less likely to have a need for them uh, because naloxone's not cheap. The state pays something like sixty dollars per kit. Um, but for what it's worth, the state agency who who does this uh, is also not out at Bonnaroo this week pa- passing out naloxone. So it seems like music festivals might have mixed feelings about this kind of thing. I mean,
1: obviously they don't want anyone to die from a drug overdose but they also don't want to be seen as condoning illicit drugs, right? I mean, what has Bonnaroo said?
0: Well, they haven't said a whole lot. Um, In a statement, uh, they told me that they're always interested in taking care of and educating their patrons. Uh, But they did allow in this nonprofit to set up and hand out naloxone. So that does say something. And um, they're also working, uh, this group is working closely with medics at the event. What they have not welcomed, though, is something that could actually prevent these overdoses in the first place or or, or, or could help. Um, there are a few groups that go to music festivals to provide drug testing, drug checking. One nonprofit does it with this forensic machine hooked up to a laptop. Another company I talked to sells these uh, fairly cheap fentanyl test kits for people to use on their own. And both are meant to help people know if their, let's say, ecstasy is actually ecstasy or a mixture of something else. So fentanyl test kits are are a no-go at Bottero. Well, um, the promoters have not said this explicitly, like they, they would be banned if when your bag is searched on the way in, but the folks in this line of work who distribute them say they have not been well-received in the last few years. Mm. Um, here, here's a guy who goes by the name Adam Ochter. that's actually a pseudonym. He he uses, since his work entails dealing with and confronting shady drug dealers and making them destroy tainted substances that, uh, that they'd rather sell. Uh, but he started this company called Bunk Police that that has basically given up on being allowed into festivals. Promoters blame legal liability reasons, so instead they just sneak in and sell thousands of these uh, testing kits so people know the drugs they're using won't kill them. Here's Adam Ochter.
3: We have been thrown out of Bonnaroo twice. Um, one of the uh, instances, uh, they turned over $12,000 worth of our test kits to the local police department and told us that if we wanted them back, we would have to go talk to the sheriff.
0: And uh, Adam, as far as I know, is not out of this year. Are fentanyl testing kits illegal or something? Well, they actually have been considered drug paraphernalia in Tennessee up until just this year. The state legislature passed a law decriminalizing test kits, and state agencies are actually now working on how to start distributing them. At some point, the concern has been, you know, that drug dealers can kind of use them to basically prove how pure their product is and maybe charge a premium for it. Mm. Of course, when it comes to harm reduction, which is uh, the the term here, you know, that's still kind of seen as a win.
1: If it's saving lives. All right. That is WPLN senior healthcare reporter Blake Farmer. Blake, thank you for the update. Always a pleasure. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we'll learn why this infernal heat wave won't leave us alone and find out if this kind of weather is something we should get used to. What are you doing to cope with the heat? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Lily Colonna, and this is Nashville. Sometimes a song gets stuck in my head. I'm sure it happens to you as well. There's just this tune you can't quite get out of your mind. Well, for the past week and a half, I've been hearing Some Like It Hot by the power station playing over and over and over again. And I know why. It's this heat wave. I found myself talking back to the song in my head, yelling, you know what, Robert Palmer, some of us don't like it that hot. It's just the heat wave has got me talking to myself, y'all, more than I normally do. But seriously, this heat has been unrelenting. Even with the rain today, we are not going to cool off for a while. It's also been dangerous, which we'll get into a little later. To get an understanding of why we're in the high 90s before summer officially begins, I'd like to welcome my next guest. Sam Schonberger is the lead meteorologist at the Nashville National Weather Service of Nashville. He joins us now. Sam, welcome to This is Nashville.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: So let me ask you this. It's what's really, it's hot already, but what makes me worried is what lies ahead. The National Weather Service of Nashville just tweeted, Think it was hot? Next week, mother nature is gonna be like, hold my beer. Sam, say it ain't so.
3: (laughs) Well, unfortunately it's looking that way. Um, You know, this week it was so hot and humid. We were in the upper 90s and we had really high humidity. That made it feel like it was in the 100s. And luckily this weekend, we're gonna get a weak cold front move through later today. That's gonna make it much less humid bring down the temperatures into the 80s to low 90s. But next week, it's looking even hotter than this week. Uh, We're going to see temperatures possibly breaking the 100 degree mark here in Nashville.
1: Thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate that. So, you know, why has it been so hot? What's going on?
3: Well, meteorologically, there's What we call an upper level ridge of high pressure sitting right over tennessee and that causes the air to sink in the atmosphere and when you have air sinking it causes the lower part of the atmosphere to heat up so it's basically like a heat ridge sitting right over the state and this weekend that heat ridge is going to shift off to the west and so it's going to get really hot in places from texas up into even minnesota and But next week, that ridge is going to start shifting back over us. And so we're going to unfortunately heat up again and possibly be even hotter than we saw this week.
1: Wow. Um, But can you tell me, inform me real quick, what does high pressure
3: mean exactly? High pressure is the air pressure in the atmosphere is at a high level. So it's like weighing down on the earth. And lower pressure, if you hear the term low pressure, that's when air is lighter and it's rising up. So if you've got high pressure, it's heavier, it's sinking. You can think of that like weighing down on you. Kind of like how it felt this week, you know, with all the heat and humidity, it just felt oppressive and like it was weighing down on
1: you. So how does the high pressure affect the temperature?
3: Uh, When we have that high pressure aloft, that sinking air, it really starts to heat up the atmosphere near the ground. So we start to see that heat and humidity really build up. And that's kind of what we've been seeing this week. And we're going to see it again, even in bigger force next week.
1: So in conversations about the weather, I've heard people use the term unprecedented. Has this heat stretch broken any records?
3: We broke a couple of daily high temperature records earlier this week in Nashville. It hit 97 on Monday and Tuesday, which broke the daily high temperature record. But overall, compared to past history, this heat wave really isn't that unprecedented. The only unusual thing about it is it's a little earlier than normal. Normally, we would see heat like this further into the summer months, more like late June or especially July or August, which are our hottest months.
1: So how does humidity, how does that factor into all this? I know it makes it feel a lot hotter.
3: Yeah, the humidity is really what makes the heat more dangerous. When it's really humid outside, that causes the human body to really start to sweat and experience more heat-related symptoms. And when we have high temperatures along with high levels of humidity, that can make it feel even hotter to human skin. And when we start to have what we call the heat index, which is the combination of temperature and humidity together, reach levels like 105, 110, like we were seeing earlier this week, that can cause people to experience heat exhaustion and heat stroke in just a matter of minutes, especially if you're outside for long periods of time. So it can just be really, uh, really strenuous on the human body.
1: So the heat index is that combination, like you said, of the heat and the effects of humidity. I wonder how how does our temperature fluctuate when there's less humidity in the air?
3: Well, a lot of times when there's less humidity, that means the air is drier and That actually can allow us to heat up even more, but it won't feel quite as bad because the humidity is not as high. Kind of think of it like a dry heat like they experience in Phoenix or Vegas. Not quite that hot, but uh, it does allow the temperature to get up higher than maybe what we saw earlier this week and that's kind of what we're looking for next week it won't be quite as humid as we saw this week and that may allow us to get a few degrees hotter than we saw this week and possibly break the 100-degree mark here in Nashville.
1: It's not really good news, Sam, but we're going to roll with it. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lakolona. We're talking this hour about the unrelenting heat wave. So, Sam, I've got to ask you about climate change. I know we can't connect one single heat wave directly to climate change, but I do wonder, do we know how much of a factor that's playing in
3: all of this? Uh, We really don't. You can't really look at one specific event and tie it to climate change or uh, any kind of big alteration in the climate because for uh, climate change you have to look at a long period of time, decades or even centuries of time. So one particular heat wave, a week of heat, doesn't necessarily mean anything regarding climate change.
1: So Should we be getting used to our summers being this hot?
3: (laughs) Well, over the past several decades, if you go back looking from the 1950s to now, overall, the average temperature in Nashville, if you average the temperature out over the entire year, looking back several decades, it definitely has been warming gradually with time. So we are seeing generally hotter summers overall. And as a lot of people in Nashville know, we've been seeing a lot less snowfall than we used to see in the winter months. So not as much relief in the winter time from the summer heat that we have been experiencing the past few years.
1: You know, I wonder how this heat will affect the weather during our uh, the other seasons.
3: Yeah, we'll have to see how that pans out. But as we've kind of seen the past few years, it can still get plenty cold here in Nashville. Uh, We've gotten down to near zero a few times. So just because we're seeing a heat wave during the summer doesn't necessarily mean we won't see cooler temperatures in the fall or even pretty bitterly cold temperatures in the winter.
1: So it's generally hotter, but I'm curious, when was the last really big
3: heat wave? Well, a lot of long-time national residents will probably remember the last big heat wave was in 2012, and it was late June into early July, and that's when... Nashville was over 100 degrees for about nine days in a row and Mm -hmm. Nashville actually reached 109 degrees and that was the hottest temperature ever recorded in the city and our weather records go back to 1871 so that was the last really big heat wave but if you want to go even further back to the summer of 1952 that's when The biggest heat wave ever hit Nashville, and we saw 19 days that summer of 100 degrees or hotter. Plus, it was excessively humid. So Mm. you think this heat wave is bad. It's been a lot worse in the past.
1: Okay, that's a little bit of a reprieve. You mentioned earlier that we might hit 100 next week, and it feels like we've been there already this week. But how long has it been, actually?
3: It's actually been... Almost 10 years back to that 2012 heat wave that I mentioned since we last officially hit 100 degrees at the airport here in Nashville. So it's been an unusually long time for us to not see a 100 degree reading. So we're about due and that definitely could happen next week.
1: The fire department has responded to dozens of heat related emergency calls this week and the Office of Emergency Emergency Management put out a special heat bulletin. We'll have a link to that on today's episode post at this dot org. We did reach out to the office to join us today, but they were not available for our showtime. Sam, what advice would you give to people to help them beat this heat?
3: Well, if you have to be outdoors for long periods of time, we just recommend you take frequent breaks, wear loose-fitting clothing, and try to find some air conditioning if you can, and, of course, drink lots of water. Just try to limit your time outdoors, if possible, because any lengthy outdoor exposure could cause heat stroke or heat exhaustion very quickly.
1: You know, I just spoke with our health reporter, Blake Farmer, about the harm reduction efforts taking place down at Bonnaroo. I'm sure there's some heat worries that they have there as well. What do you think they're considering at this moment?
3: I'm sure they're very concerned about any heat issues over this weekend. Luckily, it will be less humid this weekend, so it won't be quite as bad as we've seen. But hopefully they will have plenty of cooling tents and cooling areas for the for the attendees at Bonnaroo to at least get a break from the heat at times down there.
1: What are some things that you do to beat the heat?
3: <laughs> I never leave the house. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I like to hang out by the air conditioner or go and sit by the swimming pool. That That's the ways I like to beat the heat.
1: Now I, I do, honestly though, I think there's some people who would really, don't really take this heat seriously. but. Why should they? Why should people who are thinking this heat is just a passing thing and it's not that big of a deal, why should they take everything we're going through right now very seriously?
3: A good example is what we saw just a a few days ago, earlier this week. There was a a motorcyclist on I-40 who pulled over and he became overcome with heat exhaustion just from traveling down the interstate in this heat. And so you wouldn't think someone with open air traveling down the road at high rates of speed would experience heat symptoms, but this heat is so intense and so oppressive that it won't take much for anyone, even a healthy individual, to experience heat-related injuries. So we just remind everyone to please try to take breaks if you can and limit your outdoor time if possible.
1: What are some of the warning signs that our body is having trouble adjusting to the heat? Uh,
3: Excessive sweating. panting, uh, fainting and uh, headaches. And there's lots of symptoms that uh, occur pretty rapidly at the onset of heat stroke or heat exhaustion. So if you feel like you're experiencing any of those symptoms, notify a a friend or a relative or someone nearby and uh, try to get help as soon as you can.
1: And lastly, where can folks find more information on how to beat this heat?
3: We've got all sorts of safety information on the heat on our website. That's weather.gov Nashville. And you can find ways to beat the heat on there as well as look at all sorts of historical facts on heat here in Middle Tennessee. And if you want to weather nerd out like I like to do, we've got all sorts of stuff on there. So go check it out.
1: Sam Schomberger is the lead meteorologist at the Nashville Weather Service of Nashville. Sam, thank you for being with us. Thanks for weather nerding out with us and stay cool out there, okay?
3: <laughs> thank you, you too.
1: We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll invite a few members of our unhoused community to share what living through this heat has been like for them. Plus, we'll talk about resources available for folks who live and work outside. What steps are you taking to cope in this heat? Tweet us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Kalile Colonna, and this is Nashville. This extreme heat is keeping a lot of us indoors seeking shelter from the high temps. As we heard earlier, that's one of the best ways to stay safe. But what about folks who really don't have that option? I'm talking about folks who work outdoors or unhoused community members who don't have ready access to air conditioning or even shade. How are they coping with these boiling conditions? My next guests can tell us exactly what it's like to be out in the heat for so long and for long stretches. Maurice Ballard, Alex Smith, and Phoenix Lee, welcome. To this is Nashville. Thank you. Really appreciate having you here with us, fellas. Maurice, tell me, how are you holding up at the moment?
4: At this moment by the grace of Almighty Creator God. I'm I'm blessed.
1: That's good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Alex, how you doing?
5: I'm hanging in there.
1: How about you, Phoenix? I'm having a pretty good time. Okay. You have a pretty good time in this heat. It's kinda killer. So you're, you're currently unhoused, is that right? That's correct.
6: So what's it been like out there for you? Well, it's been hot and humid. And yesterday, I had a heat stroke. But after I got up, got some water back on my neck, uh, my neck ta- neckerchief. I was able to cool down, bring my temperature down. I'm doing all right now. Was that the first heat stroke you've had? Uh, No, I've had three in the past nine days. Three heat
1: strokes in the past nine days. So tell me, what have you been doing to take care of yourself?
6: Well, mostly it's get yourself a handkerchief or some sort of wrap that you can put around your shoulders, around your neck, soak it in water. Find yourself a nice tree. If you got some wind, it's going to be great, but you just keep yourself not as active. You sit and relax. Mm-hmm. Try to just keep your core temperature down and just stay that way.
1: Has anyone <clears throat> pardon me, has, has anyone been there to help you out when you're in this condition?
6: I've had a few people offer some help. Uh then again, there's also been times like yesterday until this morning, uh people just walk on past
1: it's gotta be pretty scary
6: it's an it's an event
1: you know have you seen this happen to other people you know
6: i have yes
1: so it happens on a regular
2: basis
6: oh absolutely Uh,
1: estimate for me about how many people since this heat wave has hit us that you know of including yourself have suffered from heat
6: stroke oh well my personally my campsite 35 people uh about 26, 27 of them have had some, some form of heat stroke or heat exhaustion that has completely immobilized them.
1: Mm, a vast majority. Absolutely. Now, Maurice, you work outside as, yes. a, as a vendor for the street newspaper,
4: the contributor. Yes, sir. What has this heat wave been like for you? It's really actually a factor of cutting down sales. Um because of the, of, of the issue of not being able to go out in the heat or stay out there in the heat, then they got to understand the factor of comfort of individuals riding in their cars with their windows up. They're not wanting to fade that heat, hmm. so yours always say less sales. How, how long is a shift? How long are you
1: working outdoors?
4: Well, as far as being a vendor, you have a, a right to a business in which that allows you to make your own time. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I'm out there probably the, by six o'clock until three. So, the uh, the the principle of staying cool, and, and and always keeping water in my system, is is something that's a major thing. As I'm doing that, I have. Um, really less shade because I'm on the corner of 46 in Charlotte. Mm. So it, it's a major factor of the heat and bouncing off of that red big uh, wall yeah. that, 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 that drains me down. There's been a the time in which one of the uh, uh, individuals that worked there had seen me drain, and I went over to uh, uh, Charlotte in 46 and fell out up under the tree. So it's it's a major issue. But those two communities back there have always had me since 2016.
1: Now, has this heat, has it had forced you to cut your hours of
4: work short? Yes. When that cuts it down there, you know what I'm saying, that means that if I'm unable to make my sales and stuff, it's hard for me to pay and provide for my, my house or my apartment
1: now, Alex, you've been unhoused yourself. Tell me, what's what's your strategy for coping when you're living on the streets and it gets, and it got hot like this?
5: Um, my strategy, <clears throat> uh, it was kind of like everybody else's. You know, fill yourself up with water, keep a cool rag on you at all times, but also, When I was on the streets, it was easier for me just to go to the library or just to ride the bus, you know, just stay riding the the bus for four or five hours just until the main heat is unbearable. But when you're homeless, like the hottest times are really once you wake up and then once you go to bed. Like, it, it, does not, it does not cool down when you're homeless, especially if you don't have a place where it's cool or where you can escape at.
1: When you were talking about riding the bus, I saw Phoenix and Maurice both shake their heads, nodding in agreeance. Is that something that you two have done
4: quite yeah. a bit? Uh, well, I started down here in, in Nashville, Tennessee in 2016. It was easy to hurry up jump on the bus to get some cool air. OK, mm-hmm. uh, the maneuvering from uh, from off that corner uh, to the to the McDonald's the inside, like his brother said, escaping. It's like uh, I'm getting punished mm. just for trying. But at the same time, you had to escape uh, those, those those punishments. But those are the things that happen. Uh, I also put in uh, my water. I, I use lemon
1: hmm
4: And it calms me down. Okay, the lemon juice. So, I mean what i saying, the fact of 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 escaping from here to here is something in which individuals that are homeless does. And we have to. Even then even if you're not homeless, you still have to escape that heat. So you're saying that's to cut down from going to work as long period to going to your house or wherever you're going.
1: Now, Alex, you do homeless outreach work now, right?
5: Uh, yes, sir.
1: What kind of advice are you giving the folks that you work with?
5: Um, my advice is take advantage of the libraries, take advantage of the um, the centers that surround. Uh, I'm very close with uh, a few high government officials that says, that there are plenty of water places that's around. But the problem of it is a lot of of our friends that's on the streets have no idea and can't get there because, you know, they're afraid of, well, if they leave, then they're going to come back and their stuff is going to be gone or the camp is going to be closing. So it's a legitimate fear of leaving your stuff where you're at because that's the only thing that you have. So if you leave your stuff just to go find somewhere cool, you never know what's going to happen until you get back. So I'm really begging and pleading with the city and uh, some of the officials to activate those winter cards as emergency cards where they can take, take the necessary stuff that they want, take them with them to catch the buzz, to get away to go to the libraries for a few hours to, you know, get the proper help that they absolutely need. So that's my, that's what I'm working on right now.
1: I do want to mention that public libraries are open as cooling stations during regular business hours. But I wonder, Alex, do you think that there should be more of these available?
5: Absolutely. And um, especially at night. Hmm. People don't know how hot it really gets at night especially when when the asphalt is freshly laid or if you're in a camp there's not a lot of trees around that heat will stay with you that's why you don't really want to start a fire because that's excess heat that will boil you in your tent but sometimes you just got a light of fire <clears throat> light a fire to get insects to be gone and let people know that you're home but they're, they're, that's really, at nighttime, there should be some type of escape route. There should be some type of night shelters when it's going to continue to get very hot this summer. And I'm afraid that things is going to get worse before it gets better.
1: Phoenix, what's the hardest part about dealing with this heat?
6: Well, the hardest part about dealing with this heat is, of course, what Alex said. Well, there's there's not 24-hour locations, uh, there's no, well, not none, but there's very few 24-hour businesses open that have continuously allowed homeless to come in and just sit down out of the way. Maybe if they got some electrical outlets to plug in our devices, try to charge them. But with the heat, it absorbs into the concrete and the asphalt, and it'll just slowly dissipate throughout that night But it stays so hot during the day That it's not going to oh, it's now dark Immediately it comes cooler No, It's that concrete will stay hot for another eight hours You'll still burn yourself. if You ain't got clothing on so if you've got any exposed skin You can still burn yourself at two in the morning Off some asphalt mm-hmm Awesome concrete. You lean up against a wall, you're still gonna burn yourself.
1: Have you been able to find any shelter or any businesses that are open to you coming
6: in and getting some shade and cool, cooling? Well, there are separate businesses that I've been able to, uh, so like the TA Center, uh, Candy Bass Trucks. You're able to go in, go get some some water, go get yourself some ice though as long as you're able to sit back as a homeless individual and you have built a repertoire up with the employees with the staff all the way up to i personally enjoy uh, having conversations with the owner she'll allow us to come in and as long as we're not creating a scene stay off to the side Hang around the building, but anybody that is just acting up making a fool of themselves They're then removed from property and most of us within the camps We also take on that responsibility of we don't You're gonna act responsibly Mm
0: -hmm.
6: You're not going to cause a scene that is going to one drive away customers for the business because with such close proximity that then affects all of us as a whole. Can't allow that.
1: Maurice, how about you? Are you able to find places to take a break and cool down a little bit?
4: To tell you the truth, my schedule and my path today is to go out early in the morning, okay? While it's pretty much cool. I uh, deal with the heat, I have uh, the Shell gas station to go in grab water. I have that at McDonald's to go in to grab water, and I go back out to my spot to sell paper, and I deal with that heat the best I can. It's only because of the grace of Almighty God that we already know that this is gonna happen, so prepare yourself for it. And as I prepare myself to keep cool by the water, by the lemon water that I use, mm-hmm. I know that the heat is going is is good. there? We already know that these 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 in, these things are are gonna happen because this is not the first time. I'm 51 years old. I've been homeless. I know that this is gonna go on. I can't rely and depend on everybody to make me comfortable. I gotta make myself comfortable. I'm not gonna complain about this. I'm gonna get into solution. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. For me at that time. So everybody else is gonna have to get into solution. Just like this what you said. They, they conduct themselves in a in a respectful and responsible manner to be able to go to these places to stop individuals from acting uh, acting out. Yeah. So they will be able to have those those those, those uh, methods of, of of cooling themselves. When I go into McDonald's, I have to conduct myself in a manner of station. Uh, the one to share, same way, but in fact.
1: I want to ask you, we're going to ask about, we're going to talk about solutions mm-hmm. in one second. Mm-hmm. But if you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil Lake-Alona. We're talking this hour about the heat wave we've been experiencing and hearing from community members who have lived, experienced seeking seeking shelter. My next guest has been working to help people find shelter. Carrie Gatlin is the Vice President of Ministries at Nashville Rescue Mission. Carrie, thank you for joining us today.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me, Khalil. I'm really, uh, especially after Listening to Alex and Phoenix and Maurice, I'm really excited to be participating in this conversation. And frankly, a little heartbroken.
1: Yeah, I I know how you feel. I know how you feel, Carrie. You know, you all at the Nashville Rescue Mission, you've been helping the unhoused community members for years. How how do you all adjust what you do when the heat is this extreme?
2: Yeah, well, so we don't make major adjustments. I mean, the services that we provide for people to find respite from the elements is 365, right, 24-7. We are here to make sure that people have a place to come in out of the rain and come in out of the cold and come in out of the heat, um, I will tell you that this week, um, one of the minor adjustments that we've made is we're putting water all over the building wow. in ice chest, you know, we're trying to make sure that um, if anybody comes in our door, they don't have to wait and ask staff and try to find water, it's right there, it's readily available, it's in an ice chest by the door, and um, And we're also trying to be more receptive um, to people that just want to come in and get day services like these three gentlemen that we're just talking about. People that would have maybe historically stayed in the encampments or unsheltered because for whatever reason, perhaps maybe they had a bad experience at the mission or they don't like the crowds or whatever um, reason, but they those people can come in and just get day services and just try to find some respite, even for an hour or two, get a cold shower, charge your phone, um, put, find some storage for a little bit.
1: How many people are coming to you all seeking out help?
2: Well, we shelter um, seven to 800 people a night in a variety of programs at our facility. Um, It has increased, uh, I I should say, the day services population. Those people that live outside of the mission that are just coming in for day services has increased... um, I don't know that I'd say quite a bit, but considerably um, for for people that typically don't come here in this last week, people that are dropping in just to uh, find some shade and shelter and a shower.
1: Now, 700 people is quite the number, but we know that that's kind of a drop in the bucket when it comes to the amount of people in Nashville who are seeking help. What other organizations are you all working with?
2: So we have so many partners throughout Nashville and we're extremely grateful for partnership because frankly, we can't meet all of the need. And so we have people that fill service gaps for us, like uh, people loving Nashville right now. They are a huge outreach partner for us. Um, We don't have... uh, People that can go out and do outreach on a daily basis, but they do, and they build relationships with those people out on the streets. And so, we will uh, count on them to just bring people or call us and say, "Hey, I've got this person." They say they were suspended from the mission five years ago. Can they come back? And We're like, "Yes, good gracious! Five years ago was a long time." Mm-hmm. Um, bring them in. Let's get. Um, let's make sure that we get them off the street and uh, have a, a conversation with them and provide some case management and some tools.
6: Phoenix, have you worked with any of these groups? Uh, personally, I've worked with Four Thirteen, Four Thirteen Strong, Park Center, uh, Open Table, Oasis. Uh, I had only been to the mission one time, four and a half years ago. First night, incident happens. I haven't returned.
1: From the organizations you've been working with most recently in this in this heat wave. What has been the most helpful
6: to you? The most helpful would have been Open Table and Oasis.
1: How is it when you're at an encampment, you're at your, or you're on the street, and you're approached by an outreach worker who wants to help you with this? Do you find that the people at your encampment or yourself are open? to really talking with them and kind of seeking out help from the services they offer?
6: Really, it all depends upon the approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever representative from whichever outreach program it is, it depends upon their approach to the situation. How are they coming up? How are they speaking? It's just a, a certain tell dependent upon everybody that it's a sense that you get is this somebody who's genuine in their approach or are they Having an air of entitlement.
1: Hmm. How often do you find someone coming with a air of entitlement? I find that strange because they're here in order to help but they're coming at you with this sense of entitlement. Does that happen often?
6: I'd say it happens about twice a week that you'll have somebody who's out there more so trying to build their reputation and they're, yeah, basically just their their reputation. Mm. They want to look good. Mm. So, okay, hey, I'm out here helping. Oh, look at me. I'm doing good work for the community. But they just make you feel nasty. Mm. And we're homeless. We live in the dirt. But mm-hmm. yeah. most most that come through, I would say a good 90% of the outreach programs and resources that do come out to provide help. They are there with a genuine sense of we, we're we here for you.
1: Carrie, for anyone who may need help, what should they do?
2: I So first of all, these comments are not lost on me. I think there's some real, um, real concerns and real valid feelings uh, coming out of this conversation. And I don't want to negate that at all. Um, But to your point, um, while they may not conduct themselves perfectly, remember that the intention for outreach workers, anybody that's out right now trying to help people find respite from the heat, is in and of themselves doing a good work and, and they're probably pure intentions. People that want to get people off the street or give them a cold bottle of water. They may be volunteers that are not trained in doing outreach. I mean, that's the reality, Mm -hmm. but, um, give those organizations a try, um, to i understand alex's comment about i came to the mission one time there was an incident i didn't ever go back um that's unfortunate and, and and breaks my heart alex i'd I like to ask you to come back and sit down and have a cup of coffee or cold water with me
1: i think you're referring to um, phoenix
2: oh i'm sorry that my apologies phoenix Please come back, sit down, have a conversation with me. I'd like to hear about your experience because, I mean, it is not uncommon when you've got seven to 800 people, many of whom are frustrated and angry and broken and experiencing trauma and the trauma of homelessness. Um, it's not uncommon for us to have an incident, but we want to make that right. And we want to fix those situations so that it doesn't leave somebody like Phoenix out there on the streets perpetually when he doesn't need to be. There are places and Nashville Rescue Mission is one of those where people can come in. And if it's just Um, clean clothes or shoes or storage or a phone charger or a cold shower that you need um, today, try it one day. And if it doesn't work for you, then by all means, go back to the encampments. But if you can maybe find some respite with us, come give it another shot.
1: We have to leave it here for today. I want to thank all my guests. Thank you to Carrie Gatlin of the Nashville Rescue Mission Thank you, Alex Smith. Thank you, Phoenix Lee. Thank you, Mr. Marius Ballard. I, want to, I appreciate you all coming onto the show and sharing with us today. That is all the time we have for today. We wanna to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. We'll be out Monday for Juneteenth, but listen in for a rebroadcast of our episode on Fort Negley. It was the centerpiece for the Union Army here, built and defended by formerly enslaved people who later settled down the hill in the Bash Street neighborhood. Nashville's first post-emancipation black neighborhood. It's a great episode. Tune in. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, Tasha AF Limley. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Glad to have them back. Our executive producer is Andrea Tuthope. The masterminds behind our music are Laurent And the mirror blade conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at this is Nashville. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Le We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.